Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music. Transcribed with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and H.M.S. Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. shelter in the time of storm, secure whatever may be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Mighty rock in a weary land, cooling shade on the burning sand. shelter in the time of storm. O rock divine, O refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Mighty shelter in the time of storm, mighty rock, cooling shade, faithful guide, a shelter in the time of Father in heaven, we pray that we may find in thee a shelter in every storm of life. Give us faith in thy word today. Teach us how to pray. Bless this broadcast to every listener. We ask in Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near 
heart of God. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before thee near to the heart of God. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, Stories of Prayer. Dr. Horace Bushnell, a noted preacher, well known for his spiritual life, went to a mountain retreat to regain his health. To the same place came the man who was at that time Mark Twain's pastor. These two men had seasons of fellowship and spiritual communion together. In one of these quiet times, Dr. Bushnell took his turn in prayer. The other minister, telling of the incident, said, while Dr. Bushnell was praying, I was afraid to put up my hand lest I touch God. The presence of God seemed so near, he actually felt he would touch him if he put his hand out. In prayer, we draw near to God, and God draws near to us. In prayer, it is our privilege to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, Hebrews 10.22. I personally remember an experience much like this at a camp meeting in Boulder, Colorado, when I was just a boy. 
The meetings were held in one of the Chautauqua buildings up near the flat iron rocks. One of God's children, aged mother in Israel, bore her testimony that afternoon before about 5,000 people. From one half to two thirds of the audience was highly skeptical. She gave a simple Bible reading, then knelt down to pray. The rain was falling steadily on the iron roof and there were no amplifiers in those days, but her soothing voice sounded like a silver bell. Every word was distinct and clear. Oh, my father, she began. Instantly a change came over the meeting, over all of us. It seemed as though we were in the very presence of God. Skepticism was vanquished and a great silence fell over the audience as they knelt in the presence of God. In a few moments, sobs could be heard everywhere. My own heart was convicted. The sense of the divine presence was so great that I actually was afraid to look up for fear I would see God standing beside the suppliant. Experiences like this change human lives. There is power in prayer. Why should we pray? Because God commands it in the Holy Scripture. Read Luke 18.1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. This command is universal. Not some men, but men, mankind. And we're not to stop praying. We're to keep the habit of prayer through the entire lifetime. Pray without ceasing is the apostolic command of 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Then we are commanded to pray about everything. Philippians 4.6. Be careful or anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do you mean to say we're to pray about everything literally? Certainly. We read in 1 Timothy 2.1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, not only for everything, but for everybody. Not only so, but at all times, Ephesians 6:18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication. One does not need to wait for some specific time or go to some particular place to pray. We are to pray about all things, for all people, and at all times. Since we are distinctly told to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, Matthew 28, 20, we are to watch and pray lest we enter into temptation, Matthew 26, 41. Prayer, then, is commanded to every Christian, and it is a sin to stop praying, 1 Samuel 12:23. Don't think for a moment that prayer is only for the humble. It's for everybody. Beatrice Plum tells of watching a man enter a church and walk up to the altar rail and pray. As she sat alone there in the house of God, she recognized this man as an eminent surgeon whose skill was famous. As he knelt and folded his fine surgeon's hands in prayer, she was deeply impressed with the earnestness of his face. A few days later, the papers carried a report of this surgeon's operation which marked the first decisive victory over a disease against which doctors had been practically helpless. She was not surprised. She knew where he had received his power. He had talked with the great physician. So whoever we are, housewife, farmer, mechanic, plumber, merchant, teacher, nurse, surgeon, wherever we are and whatever we do, the seemingly impossible is possible through prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is the heart's sincere desire. 
So prayer is the heart's desire. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. It does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. In a dream, a man once saw an angel with a little slate and a golden pencil in his hand. What will you write on it, he asked. The angel replied, all the prayers that are sent up before God today. There will not be room enough on that little slate not even for the prayers that will arise up in our church this morning. Come and see, the angel said. But you must see and hear as we, God's messenger, see and hear. So followed the angel. They entered the church filled with people. The service had begun. All had their songbooks open. Their lips were moving as the organist played. But not a note came from the organ, not a sound from the lips of the worshipers. At last the service was over. The angel and his companion were not conscious of one prayer there. The angel's eyes were filled with tears. The man trembled with grief. Suddenly they heard the voice of a little child, Our Father, which art in heaven. The angel's face brightened, and with his pencil he wrote down the prayer of a little child to his heavenly Father. Then the man awoke from his dream, fell on his knees and prayed, Lord, give me a heart that can pray. Our Heavenly Father not only hears prayers, He answers them. He shall call upon me, and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. Psalm 91:15. He shall call, and I will answer. There is His promise. In his history of England in the 18th century, William Lecky says that it was George Washington's character, far more than his military leadership, that gave him such a commanding position. No other man in America could have kept the cause alive after Valley Forge. The remnant of the army stayed with him through that terrible winter because they believed in Washington. 
a mere military genius would not have continued the struggle. I've just finished reading Freeman's great biography of George Washington, and the same truth is emphasized there. It was Washington's character, his faith, which founded a new nation. When he was 21 years of age and under commission of the governor of Virginia to carry dispatches to the French commander in western Pennsylvania, he stopped to see his mother on the way. As he was leaving, she uttered an oft-repeated authoritative, My son, neglect not the duty of secret prayer. And it seems he followed this advice through his life. Not long ago at an auction in Philadelphia, a little 24-page notebook entitled The Daily Sacrifice was sold. It had been found in Washington's library at Mount Vernon and contained a number of prayers in his own handwriting. There is a story from the book How Washington Prayed by William Johnstone to the effect that a certain man asked Secretary Thompson how he would be able to recognize Washington in Congress. His answer was, you can easily distinguish him when Congress goes to prayer. Mr. Washington is the gentleman who always kneels down during prayer. Would we be noted by our prayer habits? Prayer is exceedingly practical. What man is there of you whom, if his son asked bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, will he give him a serpent? Matthew 7, 9. This was a question that Jesus asked, and the answer, of course, is no. A father will attempt to give his boy what he asks for. So prayer is practical. It concerns us here and now, our lives, our contact with others. As does this businessman's prayer that's quoted by H.M. Babcock, president of the Battle Creek Equipment Company. The author is unknown. Help me, O Lord, to remember that three feet make a yard, 16 ounces, one pound, 60 minutes, one hour. Help me to do business on the square. Make me sympathetic with the fellow who's broken in the struggle. Keep me from taking an unfair advantage of the weak or from selling my self-respect for a profit. Blind my eyes to the petty faults of others, but reveal to me my own. Deafen my ears to the rustle of unholy skirts and help me to live day by day in such a way that I shall be able to look across the table at my wife who has been such a blessing to me and have nothing to conceal. And when comes the sound of low music, the scent of sweet flowers and the crunch of footsteps on the gravel, make the ceremony short and the epitaph simple. Here lies a man, one who was to do service to others. This down-to-earth prayer could be prayed by many people with great profit today. Read the wonderful prayer in the 12th chapter of Acts. Prayer was made without ceasing by the church. They prayed the apostle Peter right out of prison. Read that wonderful story. A friend of mine had an experience almost like this in France during the last world war. He was captured and condemned by the Gestapo for execution the next morning. He was awakened by a dream and walked out over the sleeping bodies of his captors. The door seemed to be mysteriously unlocked. Nobody stopped him. He walked out into freedom and is still alive and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. There are many people who would never think of kneeling in prayer, yet they do not hesitate to recline in a psychiatrist's office. And counselors increasingly agree that what these poor souls really need is a gathering together of the scattered pieces of themselves, which really amounts to a prayer. When James Douglas, editor of the Daily Express in London, offered to publish a selection of letters on the subject, Have Your Prayers Been Answered? Within two days, he received 2,600 reports of definite answers to prayer from ministers, soldiers, nurses, fathers, mothers, children. 
H.G. Woodward, in an article published in The Signs of the Times, America's Prophetic Weekly, tells of his own experience. Attending a meeting of ministers, the telephone rang. He was told his son was about to die after a serious accident in the laboratory of the college. The father was requested to return, which he did immediately. About midnight, after a long automobile ride, he reached the hospital, met his wife, informed him that their son was in the midst of this experiment, and the explosion had destroyed his eyesight. His left hand would have to be amputated. Here are Dr. Woodward's words. As we watched in silence beside the boy, it's hardly necessary to say we spent the time in prayer. In conversation with the nurse who had assisted the surgeon in attending our son, we were told that everything possible had been done. There was no hope, or at least little hope. The eyes were so badly injured as a result of the blast that it was certain he would lose his eyesight. His hand was shattered, but prayer was answered. His sight was saved. The hand was not amputated. The surgeon, with a bewildered shake of the head, says today, I cannot understand it. Our friends, we should learn to pray. Actual stories of prayer are in the Bible. They're in the lives of people all about us, in your life and mine. We should not only read about prayer and talk about it, but we should pray. Our Heavenly Father, teach us to pray. Guide us this day. Lead us in thy way that we may discover and experience the wonders, blessings, and salvation in true prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, thy Son, amen. Jesus. 
Again, let us say, thank you for your prayers. Together, let us keep looking up, going forward in faith. Have faith in God. Seek Him in time of need. Have faith in God, the hungry heart to feed. Have faith in God. In prayer, the soul is freed. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Remember, every Thursday is prayer day at the Voice of Prophecy, our worldwide prayer circle. Every Thursday, pray with us at any time Thursday. We meet here at 8 o'clock in the morning. And now we say to everyone that we hope that this program has been a blessing and that you will join us again next week for another transcribed broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. And to all we say, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.